Well, Steve, this is a special treat. I'm getting to talk to you and a special guest two days in a row. Uh, it's now the, what, third day after the World Speed Shoot, and we've got another special guest. Why don't you tell our listeners who that is? We've got Jake Martins with USPSA. How are you doing, Jake? Good. How are you guys? Great, Jake. Thanks for being on the podcast. Um, so to clear up, you know, Mike's the president, and, and Troy's the director of NROI. For all our listeners, what is your official title? <laughs> um, I, am, yeah. <laughs> I am the uh, director of media and events is my official title. That's what it says on the business card I pass out. <laughs> so what does that comprise? I mean, I know, you know, you've got, you know, uh, what is it, uh, every other month or once a quarter, you've got front sight, you've got USPSA downrange. I mean, that's two of the big major communication vehicles that you've got. Um, are there any others I don't know about? So there are six issues of the USPSA magazine front sight um, and a seventh, which is the annual um, every year. The downrange newsletter that goes out um, every Thursday, hopefully every Thursday, is the plan for that, that we use as communication as far as um, announcements and things like that. Um, and then, of course, our social media channels. Um, I manage all of that, the Instagram pages and all Facebook pages, which we also use to not only promote shooters and share videos and other matches but to also um put the message out about you know we just posted up the press release that will go out tomorrow the downrange newsletter is already up on um on the uh facebook channels uh and then as far as the rest of it anything media related that goes into kind of the marketing side of it um, with the magazine, I'm the editor of the magazine, so I oversee all of the content that goes into it, the layout. Stacy Pulver um, is, sells the advertising in it. I, uh, I oversee that part of it. Um, and then the other programs that we have, the Preferred Vendor Program, the Industry Partners Program that we're rolling out this year, and then events, um, kind of like the one we were just at together last week. Um, I am uh, one of the guys who plans that and helps put it on the ground, pre-plan, um, work with Zach on the registration side of it. And I am the sponsor coordinator for all things nationals that have to do with USPSA and World Speed Shooting Championship. And you shoot. I mean, you actually find time to be a shooter as well. Um, well, I make sure that I, I hit the firm. I wouldn't necessarily call it shooting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, during during all of the, the matches, I mean, I was a shooter first. I started doing this, you know, 19 years ago, like we talked about last time, and, you know, over 15 years shooting USPSA. So, yeah, I was a shooter first before anything, and, and I still look at what I do, you know, when, when we're sourcing content, putting things together, taking pictures, putting video I look at it from a perspective of what a shooter would like to see and um, cause that's my background with it. You know, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a degree person in marketing. Um, my background is big box retail and 
and shooting. So, and, I, and that's how I look at it. When I make decisions on things, I look at it as how does it benefit a competitor, um, first and foremost. All right. So, you know, we've talked a couple of things in the past, but, you know, the, the new uh, vendor program that you're rolling out, um, and there's a lot of official blank of. Um, for our listeners, um, what goes into that in, in, in deciding that you're going to allow someone to be the official Hunter's HD Gold, the official eyewear of the USPSA? You know, it really, it's about the relationship. So our first one was um, originally kind of brought to us from one of the uh, top shooters in the industry that signed on with, with Brazen Sports with the watch. And um, they laid out a plan that looked to be a pretty interesting, you know, the official timepiece of, of USPSA. You know, everything we do is timed. Um, and the design of the watch was really cool. And it had some support from uh, people within the industry. And so we kind of started down that path. Um, some of these have been better than others. Um, we sat down with Federal when we did. They, they kind of came to us again with an idea. Justin Johnson, who um, at the time was with Federal, I met at the Single Stack Classic and started talking about, do we think there's a market for factory competition ammo? It's like, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. No, you know, I'm not one of those people who like to reload. So we developed that relationship and sat down with them. Um, with, uh, with Brian, um, you know, and Brian will tell you the story that, that he reached out to me. He sent me four or five pairs of glasses, and, and they sat kind of on the corner of my desk underneath some stuff for a while. Um, I didn't really, you know, pay much attention to it because um, we get approached on a regular basis about things. And then last year at the World Speed Championship, he came up and he goes, hey, have you ever tried those? He said, no, you know, I, I've, I've bounced around between prescription and non-prescription, and I'm pretty happy with what I got. So we'll, we'll try them, shoot at them. And I did, and I went and I laid down some personal best times. And, um, <laughs> hey, Steve, you ever heard that before? Oh, many, <laughs> yeah. many, many times. <laughs> Um, then I went and uh, I won my class at the Area 3 uh, USPSA match in carry optics and then came in second overall like the next week. And the only thing I changed was putting on a pair of, of those glasses. So I called up and I was like, hey, I'm exactly sure what kind of mojo we got going on here, but um, it, it apparently works. Um, but it was, it was about six seven months of kind of developing a relationship with Brian about what he would do to promote the brand, not necessarily, and by that I mean USPSA and Steel Challenge, not necessarily what we would do to promote his brand. And he came to me with a marketing plan for it, and it just made sense. It was a perfect fit. Um, and it kind of actually started over at dinner when I was at the, uh, the IDPA Nationals last September um, there in Talladega. I went over and I toured the facility. We went out to dinner. We found out that we have a, a very similar background where we both came from big box retail. We both worked at Best Buy as store managers around the same, within a couple years of each other. Um, and kind of how we look at marketing and kind of how we look at 
how things lay out were very similar. So we, we kind of formed a, a, a relationship around where we were going to go with this. And we put a plan out in front of him um, with, with a dollar amount that, you know, he was basically going to purchase the licensing agreement to be the official eyewear provider of USPSA. But with that, um, Ryan goes like above and beyond anybody I've ever seen with the amount of content that he provides us at the matches that he's on the ground. Places where I'm not at, we get a ton of video and a ton of, of uh, content that he provides us back during and after the match. Um, and, and it's been a great relationship for both of us. You know, Jake, it does strike me because when we talk about content and Brian and whatnot, I know as a as a shooter and a competitor, and sometimes I can't make all these major matches, I had a situation where, you know, I heard about, uh, what was it, the USPSA uh, three-gun nationals. Is that what you guys called it down in Florida here a couple, two months ago or so? Multi, yeah, multi-gun nationals. Multi-gun nationals, thank you. And it was really cool to see – him live broadcasting the award ceremony you know it was it was cool seeing jerry up there and his daughter and and josh and whatnot but it was really cool to to see that and and to see that firsthand as a competitor at the world speed shoot man because i know that there was some very touching comments from some folks that were not able to see their son or daughter or relative um at the match i couldn't go to the match but it was great to see them accept their awards from Mike Foley at the match. And there was Brian with his, I'm assuming it's an iPhone because maybe he's drinking the Kool-Aid, but it was really cool to see, <laughs> to see that. So that, that just talks to the, the additional um, added value that somebody like Brian offers. He, he does a great job with it too. So it's, it's pretty interesting for those of you out there that want to learn a little bit about marketing and how to get your business up and going. I don't think there's anybody out there that's working harder than Brian Conley, a hunter's HD goal. And it's, it's more of, he's not like per se working, he's doing what he loves and it, it really, really comes through. So that's, that's really, really cool. You know, it, what was funny about it that, uh, when we sat down and kind of planned this stuff out and we made the announcement in January um, that we were going this route with Hunter's HD Gold, you know, and, and Brian had talked on the phone several times. He's, you know, he asked me what events he should be at. Where is he going to get um, the biggest pickup for being there and seeing new shooters that will be exposed to his brand. Um, and Multigun Nationals was one of those that, um, you know, he hadn't been at one of the Multigun Nationals. And he he had a great great week of sales. He had a, a an amazing time seeing a different type of shooter that he had not been exposed to. Because um, multi gun guys, I mean, they go all in. You know, they're they're uh, he wasn't used to that, and uh, it was a great eye opening experience for him. And then the conversation afterwards is like, all right, I I need more places to go. I can't keep going to the same places. Where you know, where am I seeing new people at? Um, which is funny just because he wasn't thinking that he was going to have a great week at, uh, at world speed other than seeing a lot of the same familiar people over again. And there was a lot of new people that shot this match this year that didn't shoot last year or have not seen Brian at, you know, the South Carolina or Georgia matches or the Florida matches, um, that he's been. So it, it, it turned out to be a really good experience for him. It, it's you know, Mike, and, oh, so go ahead, Steve. 
No, I was just going to say, Jake, do you think that's because of the marketing strategy at USPSA? Because it was interesting. There was like a caravan of folks that came from Texas, a caravan of folks that came from Oklahoma. But you're right. There's, you know, there's some regular guys like Jeff and I that attend quite a few of these Steel Challenge matches. And, you know, you got Ryan up in, in uh, Pennsylvania and you got, you know, Zach and Donna's there with their contingent folks in South Carolina and John Suter's there. You know, there's a lot of folks that, that go to these matches, but I would say at least a third, if not half the, half the match seem to be folks that were either first timers or haven't seen that often. Why, why do you think that is? Um, I think part of it is, is that the exposure that we are putting on the sport itself um, and I know you guys talked to Mike before, and he he brought up about how you know he's the first time president that's been at this as a full time job. Um, there's actually nine of us that now you know wake up every morning and work at this full time. Um, you know, the, there's the folks that are in the office. There's five employees that are at the office that get up every morning, work Monday through Friday and are there for the membership. And then you have myself as a remote employee, um, Troy McManus as a remote employee, Gary Nash as a remote employee, um, that we get up every day um, and we're full-time for the organization. And you're getting the benefit of professional people that are pushing the sport that are out there. But we're also able to answer questions for clubs, also quick to respond to members, um, resolve any kind of issues that come up, help direct people to um, the events that are out there. Uh, we just just pushed information about the national slots for the high cap and low cap. The slot codes expire on May 29th. Um, so we, we put that information out there. It's going to hit the downrange newsletter tomorrow, but we also emailed every single member in the organization that had a current email address on file about it so they all know open registration starts on june 1st at 8 p.m eastern standard time so there's no reason for anybody to say that they didn't have that information and and not that there wasn't communication in prior administrations but it just wasn't it, it wasn't all over the place um they only really used the magazine to communicate with the membership there there really any type of social media presence there wasn't um an email or in the downrange newsletter. I mean, we're going to hit just with that one announcement. We're going to hit social media, the downrange newsletter, and in every inbox of every member about nationals. Um, with that, you're going to see the press release on the World Speed Shooting Championship that's going to go up, that has the dates for next year. So it's just it's constant communication, and it's because you have full time people that are doing this. You know, prior administrations had a, a part-time president that was elected and an executive director and then just the office staff that consisted of, you know, four people. So we, we kind of changed the dynamic of what we're bringing to the table on a daily basis. And I think that's the result. I think that's why you see that there's 400, and I want to say I looked at it uh, this morning, 493 affiliated clubs. Wow, and it is now it's over two hundred. Um, give me one second, I'll tell you. This is the other part of it too. Is I can log in and tell you this information. I don't have to call somebody 
and wait for them to answer and call back. And <laughs> we, we have access to everything. So right now there's 493 affiliated USPSA clubs and there are 209 SCSA affiliated clubs. Wow. Um, to kind of give you guys an idea, I, I started in 2014. Um, one of the first questions, you know, the first for me and I went to in 2015 was, is how many clubs do we have? And, you know, it took two or three people to kind of dig through some stuff and look at things and nobody was really sure. Um, I can tell you that I still have that written down. There was 369 USPSA clubs and there were 68 affiliated still challenge clubs. And that was in 2015. We, we came out of 2018 um, with, about 200, with about 455 affiliated USPSA clubs. Um, so we grew that number already this year, almost, almost 10%. And there were 190 still challenge clubs, so now there's 209. So we, we have uh, set up for us. I mean, we go over it usually on a weekly basis when we have our, our full team conference call, but we talk about our goals. When we look at how many clubs we have, how many um, – how many matches have been uploaded um, that haven't that haven't paid their activity fee? Um, because we get phone calls in the office. You know, Wednesday is one of the busiest days in the office. Because <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> where's my classification? My cla yeah, where's my classification? <laughs> why did my classification go? So, I mean, we have a report that tells me right down to how many days a, a match has been uploaded that's gone unpaid. Um. We, we have the ability to look at uh, a, a year-to-date, um, like how many new members we have year-to-date, which is 4,071. And I can probably refresh that in about 15, 20 minutes, and there'll be, you know, 4,072. I can look at see how many activities have been paid compared to this year versus last year or how many activities um, have been uploaded. And, and compare that, you know, so we were able to look at that and see things and react to it. Um, you know, for example, we're a little down on activity that have been turned in on the USPSA side right now. Um, but it's because of the weather, you know, when a match gets canceled, you figure 10, 15 matches get canceled on a Saturday and normally have 40 or 50 people shoot them. Those are activities that don't get turned in, so we kind of keep an eye on that. There's not, you know, we can't really necessarily react to it other than we know that we have 40 more clubs than we did at the end, end of last year. So as the weather gets nicer, we'll see that pick up. Yeah, speaking of weather, I don't know if you uh, have been on social media tonight, but uh, Paul Dandini posted a video from the U.S. Shooting Academy, which is out in uh, – Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm going to venture that 75% of the range is underwater. Wow. It is a, it is a, it's a beautiful facility. I've been there quite a few times. The first time was in 2008 for, the, uh, for a pro-am event, the first pro-am when Phil Strader had brought it back. And um, they have done a ton of work. There, you know, you guys weren't shooting USPA, USPSA then, but they had the uh, mud bowl there a couple of times. If you ever 
hear anybody talk about that. And they, they have a drainage, unfortunately, at that range um, from where it sits. Yeah. Jake, I want to touch on something here uh, for our listeners um, that might find a range that's wanting to get affiliated. What's the process for them to do that? Like, what would be their first step? Um, so the first step that I would, I would recommend for anybody that wants to affiliate a new USPSA or Steel Challenge Club or both is to find a suitable range. And a suitable range is one that's going to have enough A's and have enough distance and have enough infrastructure for you to host a match. Um, there are people that are extremely creative in getting four or five stages out of a two or three bay area. Um, even indoor matches that can turn an, an indoor range into three or four different stages where people shoot on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. So you, know, you, you just have to be a little creative with it. If you find a host facility, um, then all you need to do is contact the office, and Heather is the person that will get you the paperwork. And the paperwork is basically a, a roster where 10 current USPSA members, the section coordinator or the area director, and a club contact, um, all being USPSA members, decide that this is a good place to have a range. We asked for the 10 USPSA members. Um, and the idea behind that is is that these are the people that are going to help get the match going. We know that a match cannot be a one-person type thing. Um, you know, many people have tried it, <laughs> and many people get burned out when they try doing it by themselves. So normally when you get the roster of 10 people, you're kind of getting that kind of commitment of, yeah, we want to we want to shoot this new location. We want to go out and we want to shoot on a Wednesday night at an indoor club. Or we want to add a Saturday to a club that may be shooting some other type of discipline on a Sunday. So they have the ability to rent three or four bays or five bays or, or whatever. Um, once you get that going, then you just need to make sure that you have the ability to have enough props. Um, it, it's not difficult to make a bunch of wall sections. It's not overly expensive to make a, a bunch of wall sections. There's a lot of creative ways to do it. Uh, fault lines are not you know, that expensive to get together. And once you start getting a match on the ground and you get your entry fees kind of coming in, uh, that's usually how a club sustains itself. There are other ways. There are clubs that are out there that can host level two and level three matches that can put on bigger events because they have more space. Um, one of the fastest ways for a club to get income is still challenge. If they already have the ability to have steel um, that they can make two or three or four of the eight stages, or if they have a local place that can cut the plates in the right size, which is usually the least expensive way to do it. If you can find a place to cut the size for you and, and weld up a hanger, then it's two by fours in paint. Um, that steel is going to last you for many, many years. Most clubs... Uh, we charge 15 or $20 for the first gun, 5 or 10 for the second gun, um, and you can usually make up entry, your entry fees will make up income and revenue for your club very, very quickly with Steel Challenge, especially the way that it's growing. 
And, you know, coming from experience, uh, the setup is a lot easier. I mean, you're given yeah, the architecture yeah, of the stages. You don't have to think about yeah. things like shoot-throughs <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, is just, this a legal just, stage? <laughs> right. Or just finding a dedicated team of people who design stages for right. you. Right. I mean, I, uh, as the Indiana section coordinator, um, you know, I would travel around to matches and print matchbooks or take matchbooks from all the matches. I have a, I have a, uh, a three-inch, I actually have two of them, um, three-inch thick binders of printed off stages or stage ideas or books or, or things or a stage that I saw or shot someplace that I'll scribble some notes on. And so when it comes time for me to put on the Indiana section match, even like, you know, the one that, that I'm hosting here in two weeks, um, I go and I pull these out. I read my notes on it. I'll, I'll kind of doctor them up. Sometimes I redraw them on graph paper, and that's, I mean, that's what I use. But when you look at Steel Challenge, it's there, you know. You just got to find somebody to cut the woods and go out there. And once you, once you pin a bay, if you know this bay is going to have five to go in it every month or twice a month or whatever, I mean, that's, that's the easiest setup in the world. You know, it's funny. You, you talk about cutting the wood, and uh, we said this to Mike yesterday. Uh, I had a number of competitors come up to me and go, are these plates at the right height? You know, they all seem low. <laughs> and I went, no, what you're experiencing is they're too high at your club. <laughs> right. Right. I actually, uh, I had a conversation with somebody that said that, that he didn't agree with laser leveling the plates from the box. And I said, why is that? And he goes, well, because nobody does it at our club match, so we're shooting on stuff that's different. <laughs> and I said, different or wrong? And he goes, he goes, well, and I was like, exactly. And, you know, the conversation kind of stopped right there. Um, you know, and that's, you know, in, in the old days when they had it out at Piru, um, they would kind of go and set the plates up in front of the holes in the back of the berm so they knew where they were from the year before. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Jake, I got a very important question for you. What what right. type of what type of dog do you have? Is that a golden doodle? Um, we actually yes, we have we have two golden doodles. We have uh, a yellow one and a black one. Um, Layla was the first one, and uh, we we decided that she had to have somebody to play with. So then we got Henry, um, which is the black one. So yeah, it's two golden doodles. Yeah, my, my parents, it's, it's kind of a funny story off, off the topic of shooting that my, I've got two little girls. The oldest one's 12 going on 15. I've probably shared that with you before. <laughs> hey, this world of social media, brother, I swear to God, I don't drink, but I think I'm going to start. Um, <laughs> the, the, little, the little one's nine, and so, I don't know, it's been about five, almost six years ago. Uh, Santa brought each one of the dogs a little Maltese dog, a little little puppy, and I call them puppies today because I think they're about five or six pounds. And then my dad, <laughs> but my dad's always been uh, an animal lover, and so they had a Saint Bernard while we were growing up that had more personality than most people that I know. And after she passed, that you know, it was it was a lot for him. It was like losing a family member, and and so my dad did some research on some dogs, and ended up <laughs> he ended up with a with a golden noodle and 
man is she crazy <laughs> i swear to god man she is uh she's a great dog but man she's just extremely hyper extremely hyper and and my dad you know he's oh yeah yeah she'll grow out of it she'll grow out of it six years later yeah she's nuts <laughs> no uh Lay layla's two now and uh yeah we thought she was gonna grow out of it nope no no that's why we got that's why we got her companion to play with <laughs> that's right jeff do you have any dogs you don't do you i actually know but uh uh i will soon be living with two pit bulls that are about 50 pounds each oh they're before you gave the weight i thought you were talking about steve lentz and greg kears but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no Lince is a bull mastiff. Come on. <laughs> now, now, now that we're completely off topic. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, do you know do you know Steve Lince? Uh, not very well. I mean I've met him, but Oh yeah. The the first time I man, I think I you know, you see people on social media and whatnot. He didn't have a picture of himself. And uh I was shooting the uh I think it was the Area Six steel challenge match <laughs> and here's this guy you know kind of walk up behind me and goes you steve foster i turned around and i went oh, sh oh. oh <laughs> I <did> this. yeah <laughs> you look like freaking yeah. goldberg i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're, wondering, you're wondering who you owe money to that they just uh, their guy <laughs> nah, I just, i'm just borrowing his jersey man something i can help you out with so, yeah. anyway. <laughs> so, oh, so let's funny. talk about uh, it. You know, he, did, uh, he did an awesome job working the match, too. Um, he was a new RO this year working it. Yep. And he, he is fantastic as a person. If, if you guys don't need, know Steve, he is an exceptional, exceptional shooter, throwing down some crazy fast times. And, you know, there was some exceptional ROs there, but Steve was uh, definitely one of my favorites. He's calm, cool, collected. He's got a pretty good cadence to him. You know, he's not one of those guys trying to give you a one-second beep or short beep you know, and give you the, the long dreaded, which seems like a 10-second beep either. You know, he's fair, consistent, yeah. and, uh, you know, he's an actual, absolutely uh, a pleasure to shoot with for sure. Yeah, was, uh, I had him, uh, he ran me a couple of times through the match, and um, the arrows in general, I mean, there, there are some folks there that I met um, through working, they worked a match last year, uh, the Kudos from Louisiana, um, Gary, Barbara, um, uh, that, that were there, and just awesome people. Steve Wright and Jan Wright that um, are up here that I see all the time that came down and worked. Um, first Thibodeau that was over there, you got Annette um, and Elliot Ireson, um, just you know, it's a family reunion, but then there was a bunch of new ROs that were first-time ROs the, at this match. And then, of course, you know, having Jay Warden as a new range master um, and shot his first Steel Challenge match. You know, Jay's got 30 years of USPSA under his belt, and this is the first time he came out to this. And um, I even had a couple of questions that I was unsure of that I asked him and that we, we figured out together. So it was it was a a really really good RO cadre that we had this year for the match, um, and for the most part, I think the competitors agree. Was that Jeff in the background? I'm going to leave this in there, Jake. <laughs> Is he talking to Jeff, Jeff's ordering? 
Jeff's ordering pizza. He's <laughs> probably get a phone call from Paulie. Hey, make sure that Jake dude doesn't yeah. screw this thing up. <laughs> yeah. He's probably asking what type of he's probably asking what time type of toothpaste I should get Jake for Christmas. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I liked it, but I really didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. In case you when you when you hear this, um, you'll just have to look at my social media page. I uh, um, have been gone obviously for the, a week and a half, um, and I go in there and you know, just pull out a you know regular tube of toothpaste, and I put it on my toothbrush half asleep this morning. and looked down, and I was like, "Holy hell!" Yeah. <laughs> it was some charcoal infused black tar. I mean, like I said, it looked like the stuff that we. <laughs> Repack your front wheel bearings in your in your truck, and it was horrible. Hey, so I had to go and buy a new toothpaste. But it worked. No, for no, I, I, <laughs> it worked for it worked yeah. for Kim Kim Kardashian. So it must be good for you, right? Is that what the wife was thinking? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. My first thought would have been, oh, somebody went to Spencer Gifts and bought the joke toothpaste. You know, this is yeah, this is it was Crest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was rough. Yeah, I I called my wife and I was like, "What are you doing to me?" So, yeah, that's what that's what I get when I don't go to Walmart and buy my own toothpaste. Uh, Luckily, I have my have my prepacked travel kit ready to go, so I was, well, I was able to change gears. It was probably more of a reflection of you being gone for a week. That's what I'm thinking, but I, I'm just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jake, to get back a little bit on the shooting side of it, um, you know, yeah. it was announced uh, this week at the match and then right after that next year's World Speed Shoot is going to be back at the CMP, which I think is great. But I'm sure that decision didn't, or that the process didn't start this weekend. I'm, I'm guessing you guys have been working with them uh, to, you know, solidify the dates and make sure it's all going to work out. Um, are you doing the same thing on the USPSA side? Because um, I don't think... Absolutely. You know, so yeah. are we going to hear at Nationals, you know, right after Nationals, where next year's are going to be? I actually, uh, if, and, and I started working on a calendar for 2020 um, back in February. Um, and, and the process kind of goes with... Uh, what divisions fit well? Because I, I mean, everybody's been playing along um, and noticed over the last couple of years, it's not stayed the same. It's changed up every year, and that is on purpose. Um, the locations have changed up some. The the format of the match has changed. Uh, where we went from some standalone production to the Optics Nationals, followed by Ironsight Nationals, where we still had the Classic in 2017, to the nine days of Nationals in 2018, to this year we're doing the High Cap and Low Cap, which is actually four matches that are that are back-to-back -back events. Um, and next year it's going to be um, different as well. Um, the plan is that we have in place that we're working on and, and getting some contracts with some locations to figure out next year's a little different um and that it is also a world speed uh, a uh, a world shoot year yeah so every three years it's yeah. it codes their um the world shoot and 
it's going to be they haven't officially released any dates they just keep saying that it's going to be later in the year november december so that changes our calendar up a little bit but it also changes the flavor of our match somewhat and that um it allows as kind of a a precursor to that that match so we're kind of looking at a different format um for next year and don't have everything really ironed out completely i've got some stuff you know, I, I, I use sticky notes a lot, so I've got like three or four with some notes and things written down on how to group divisions together, how to put some of these events together to maximize the number of slots that are available. That's the other side of the, the coin that people need to remember is that um, with 493 clubs, they earn slots based on the activities turned in and that go back to the section. So this year we have the ability to host over 1,700 competitors in low-cap and high-cap nationals. Um, so if you just do one or two standalone events that can only hold 400 people, you go from a 1,700 people one year to only being able to put you know, 900 through nationals, people start kind of scratching their head and saying, well, I wanted to get in, now I can't. So the events have to accommodate um, as many slots as we possibly can get through the earn process, which is based on your performance at the previous year's nationals and area matches, and then the activities generated from your clubs through the section to get more slots to the sections to pass out to the members there to get to nationals. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it goes, you know, What's our max capacity, and how do we divide up the divisions, and then where can we put them on the ground? Um, so we know that we have a great relationship with the Universal Shooting Academy and, and Polk County in general, where they have provided uh, not only the discount tickets to all the cool amusement stuff that goes on down there, but they also um, have paid for the awards bank in the facilities there, which they are looking at doing again in, in 2020. So there will be some event in Florida. Um, we know that Multigun Nationals is going back there. We know that World Speed Shooting Championship is going back to Talladega. And there will probably be something else that will end up um, back in Florida and something else someplace else um, to be determined. How's that? <laughs> Nice and vague. I like that. Well, you know, you mentioned the yeah. ISIC Nationals, and, you know, I know every year it's held at the Universal Shooting Academy. I just went over there and looked at it, and Troy's the, the range master. Do you guys get involved much at that? I mean, the United States Practical Shooting Association is part of IPSC, um as a uh, confederation member, correct? Yes, we are the... Um, USPSA is the U.S. region for IPSC. Um, we have our own rule set, but we are required to hold a IPSC event every year to continue our membership in IPSC, um, and that is the IPSC Nationals. There can be other IPSC matches in the United States. They just need to go through the RD, which is Mike. He's RD6, which is why his USPSA number is RD6 because um, he's the regional director and the sixth one in the line of being part of IPSC. So um, that match, um, realistically, the only place that's ever asked to host that match 
is Universal Shooting Academy. So it's pretty simple to say, hey, we should have a match there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, some of it has to do with the location. Some of it has to do with, uh, you know, Frank Garcia is, is big in the IPSC community. Uh, he does a lot of training overseas. He has a lot of friends that invite him to come and do um, not just competition training, but other types of training in, in other countries. So it's a good, it's a good fit. If any other club ever wanted to hold it, um, the first one I actually ever shot was in uh, Ohio. Um, they held one. Ipswich Nationals was there at uh, at um, Miamisburg, I believe, um, was the range. And maybe it wasn't Miamisburg. I may have that, wrong, but they held one that was there. Um, and I shot that, and they actually had uh, the Ohio section match was like the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was the Ipswich Nationals where they just changed out and went to the, the Ipswich Classic targets instead of the USPSA targets. So that was the first one I ever shot and uh, um, found out that I didn't have the correct gear because of the difference in the rule changes. But And I, and I, shot, uh, I shot last year's um, kind of under their provisional Archery Optics rules because they hadn't firmed up Ipswich's rules with uh, with carry op or in production optics for them, so now they have production optics heavy and production optics light. I, I would tell anybody that's interested in seeing the difference between USPSA and IPSC, it's a great opportunity to go to Florida in July because it's you know it's so welcoming with the humidity. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, that's when my uh, my steel <laughs> challenge championships are going to be, and uh, we're going to be just fine. I just you know. Uh, buy up all the water in Pinellas County, and and people will be happy. <laughs> no, actually, you know, um, and I was looking at that uh, because I will have to be in Florida the twelfth month, the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth for the Ipswich Nationals, and then your match is what the nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty first, or nineteenth and twentieth, something yeah. like that. If you want to so get in, I we got room. Shoot. I'll put you on our road day if you want to shoot Friday and then go home on the weekend. You're in. Well, I'm looking at that, or I could go out to Colorado. That's a tough call. <laughs> Flip a coin. Flip a coin. Two-headed coin. Yeah. Heads, it, heads it's uh, Florida, tails it's Colorado. <laughs> Jake, you won't have the uh, fortunate experience of the monsoon, because I, I'm sure you've heard this before, but Jeff said, oh, yeah, the weather's going to be great down here in Clearwater, Florida. And uh, When was your match last year, Jeff? Was it August. Oh, it was August. Oh, man, did it rain. It was like end-of-days type rain. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. miserable. So lightning can't strike twice. Here's, yeah. here's, here's what I say about anybody that says the weather is perfect, come host a match there. I scratched them off the list. <laughs> <laughs> we, actually, we actually have a rule here in Indiana that when I was the section coordinator, you're not allowed to talk about the weather before a major match. Yeah, you can't talk about anything that's not controlled. And anybody that used, we have a a forum, the Indie Gun Owners Forum, and there's a you know a, a sports page that's on there. And I would just delete it and tell them they couldn't talk about it. And <laughs> I, I even got to ask. I did some big long like four paragraph rant about it one night about why you won't do it. And uh, even to this day, I don't normally look at weather ahead of a match. I just prepare for the absolute worst, and then. Somehow, some way, we get lucky every once in a while. Nice. Excellent. 
Well, you know, I just did a quick check on practice score for the uh, the high cap nationals, and up to this point, it's only been people who've earned a slot, correct? So the people that have pre-registered have earned a slot through their performance at nationals last year in those four divisions or an area match um, based on their performance and their residency. So if you won your division and you were an, an area six resident um, or you won your class and your area three residents, you would have earned a slot for one of those four divisions. Um, and then the sections that earn slots through their paid activities. So yeah, right. it's, uh, what is there, 120 slots available? Like I mean, I'm looking at this, it look, it's looking like it's two-thirds full. I mean, yeah. I can't, I don't have counts, but it's looking pretty full. The reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is, as you pointed out, um, May 29th, the basically the slots aren't good anymore because is it June 1st or are you going to do, open it up on May 30th when basically general registration is open? Yeah, so what will happen is, is that on midnight, May 29th, all of the uh, pre-registration codes will be deleted from the system. Well, actually, I'll do it on the 30th. I'll, I'll delete all the pre-registration codes on the 30th. And then um, I'll go through and clean up any withdrawals, uh, any somehow sometimes people manage to, to register twice. You know, they got, they screwed up and they registered for PCC and they wanted to register for something else. Um, so we kind of clean all that stuff up over that day. And then uh, we set up and do the open registration on June 1st at 8 p.m. We'll open at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We picked that um, when we did, last year we did it on a Friday night and there were some people that were kind of complaining that, you know, it was, and it was like 6 o'clock on Friday night, so that made it 3 o'clock on the West Coast. And so now we're going to do it at 8 o'clock on Saturday evening because I don't have much of a life. And uh, we'll, we'll open registration for all four matches, and it is basically going to be first come, first serve. Um, they'll sign up, they'll pay with a credit card, and as soon as we see it, they'll be myself and three other people that are watching all the matches that it will approve them so they can squad. Squads are maxed at 12. Um, I, I believe that Open and PCC and Limited and Carry Optics will probably fill up within minutes of registration opening up. Um, the low cap nationals, the production L10, single stack and revolver, there are, are more availability, not a ton. Um, looking at it right now, production and L10 is about half full. Single stack and revolver has quite a bit of availability still on it. And uh, those, will, those will probably fill up over the weekend. But high cap nationals, the first one is open in PCC. As of right now, there's only 120 available slots. And in uh, carry optics and limited division, there's only 119 for the open slots. So it's going to be, it'll be, it'll be over quick. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then people will be able to wait list. Um, once they wait list, we go right and as soon as somebody withdraws, and there's always about a 10 to 
um, drop out of the match. People's lives happen when you sign up this early. They're signing up in June. Some of these people signed up when we opened registration. The original registration, um, pre-registration was in March. So their gun breaks. They no longer are interested. You know, they got excited the night that they got in when they first signed up, and now they have a baby due later on. So, you know, things happen. So uh, the, the there'll be fallout. Usually it's about 10 to 15%, and um, you can uh, – get on the wait list and we just go down in order of signing up on the wait list. You'll get an email that says, Hey, you got 48 hours to sign up. And if you don't, we remove you from the match and then we go to the next person. Super. Well, um, hopefully that match is going to sell out and, uh, uh, everybody's going to have a good time. I was hoping to get out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we talked about it earlier, you know, time and money and, and effort in, uh, they don't. They all have to line up to be able to make a match, and that one's just gonna. I'm gonna have to pass, but I'm sure it's gonna be a good one. It's uh, yeah. We actually we we started uh, stage planning, bay planning. Um, we took a trip out there in May to the Magnus Cup, um, and were able to see all the props they had in use, what was gonna work, what wasn't gonna work, and started taking notes, um, range diagrams. Um, you know, even going around taking pictures of wall sections and, and all of that. So uh, we're going to start working on everything. Um, I think the plan is, is once I get done with this S 400 match, I'm home for about two or three weeks to start plotting out more details. But that's, I mean, that's how it goes. It, it, it's not a, a last-minute thing. It's, it's a lot of planning. It's a lot of communication back and forth. Um, we divide up a lot of things between the team. You know, Troy's in charge of staff. Um, I'm handling all the sponsors and kind of on-the-ground coordination. Um, Gary's setting the budget for us and letting us know how many barrels and malls we can buy. And, and you know, Mike is helping prove uh, part of that process. We go over the stages with him as well. So it's, it's a full team effort. It's not just one or two people that are here doing it. I mean, we even when we were out there, we were touring um, places to hold the award ceremonies um, that can fit because the back-to-back format. We know that we end um, later in the evening, so most people that shoot the second match are going to stay there, so we know that we need to be able to accommodate 500 to 550 people for an award ceremony. So and you don't want to do that at the range. That's, that's no fun. Um, and not every place has a, a beautiful facility like we had at CMP. So we have to go and find those and, and quotes and get caterers and all that stuff. So, Jake, you mentioned. Speaking of the award, go ahead. So, you know, and that was one of the things that you guys had brought up about at, uh, at World Speed going live. We've actually kind of outgrown the room um, there at CMP. Uh, from having the awards on one side and then the prize table on the other side. So we, we've kind of maxed our space there. We're already planning on how we're going to do that next year. But on live, there was people, once they saw they didn't have a seat in the room, they were standing out on the sofa, sitting out on the sofas or outside on the patio area watching it, um, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that was a packed room for sure. It certainly was. And it was uh, a lot of smelly people after being up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alabama sunshine. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it happens. But the, you know, here's the cool thing about it is, is that um, I mean, we saw some things last week. You know, Mackenzie Bragg and Cole Bush and Kobe Pavlock and some of the things that that they were doing and and for the folks that were able to stay and go to the award ceremony and accept their award. Um, sometimes it was their first award. Sometimes, you know, when you look at BJ, BJ walked out of there with, you know, five or six people carrying all the stuff. It was a little disappointing that not all of the pros stayed for it, um, to, to receive their awards, but my hat's off to BJ for being there and staying, you know, coming in when he did shooting all that he did and staying and receiving his awards. And I know some of those guys had some, some other prior commitments that they had to get to, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a really good example except for those kids that are there that were there receiving their first, you know, medal or award and then walking the prize table. So I was, I was really, really happy with the way that it turned out. Um, and to see, uh, the folks that did stay, that took the time, that took the picture, came up, shook Mike's hand, um, and then, you know, 15 minutes after that, they're out in the hallway over there with their family getting pictures and I'm getting tagged on Facebook stuff within 15 minutes. Um, please share this over. Um, so it was, it was, it was really nice. It was a great event. I thought on that side of it, but yeah, we, we realized that, you know, we kind of walked out, scratch your head going, how are we going to fit? You know, now that we've opened up that second, that second flight on Sunday, because of the way the schedule is, how are we going to fit more people in there? So we're already working on that now um with the folks there at cmp yeah you you know you bring up a great point jake about um bj he's a class act for those that don't know bj he's kind of a quiet guy out on the range but i've got a lot of respect for him and, and you know i do know folks do have other commitments and whatnot but bj is the one consistent uh, that's a pro that at least in the center fire realm which seems to be shrinking at an expeditious rate in steel challenge but he he sticks around and he gets his hardware and he's a consummate professional but you're exactly right when it comes to you know ethan walking out with five massive trophies and cole bush and mckenzie i mean i i, I still think she's smiling ear to ear i don't think she stops <laughs> ear to ear and you know it's just really cool to see see them get um a really awesome trophy and and i'm not sitting here saying that people didn't appreciate the prize table but for a lot of these folks you know the the uh 20 30 you know gold cup meant more than the uh you know the the awesome prize table and by the way i have to compliment whoever was in charge of the prize table this year they did an absolutely fantastic job you know i wasn't too high on the center fire prize table but the uh, PCC prize table was was very nice, as well as the Rimfire uh, prize table. He had a, a small gun manufacturer, CWA, which I think single-handedly put the one largest donation on the table. So that's uh, that's really cool to see. And companies like Volkortsen and and Glock always stepping up. I mean, and we had a new newcomer, uh, Tipman Arms, out there. So it's it's great to see a lot of these folks that that are reinvesting back in the back of the sport. I think it went exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, so it, the, the sponsor coordinator, you know, that all falls down to me. And uh, we, put a, we put a menu together for this year that's on the USPSA website. So I sent you out to all the companies that basically said, here are multiple nationals, world speed shooting championship, high cap and low cap. Here is the menu. 
here's your opportunity. Where do you want to plug in? Um, when it came to the World Speed Shooting Championship, um, coming out of Multigun National, which was in 1st of April, I, I, was, uh, I was concerned that we were light on the, on the prize table and you know, did a, a second re-effort of sending out emails. I don't make a lot of phone calls um, just because you know, those people get bombarded with stuff. I kind of just I put the menu out in front of them. I put the, the ROI for them, and they have questions, they contact me. Tipman Arms was one that called me. They're actually here local to me in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I'm here in Indianapolis. Came down, met. Um, this was kind of sticking their toe into the deep end of competition shooting, and I believe Chris from Tipman Arms was blown away with the uh, with what he saw um, and and how everybody reacted to going over there and, and playing with the full auto 22s that he had and, and just his product in general. Um, I know that talking to Dustin from JP, they had a very good response on the GMR 15s that they had with the ultra light bell. Um, Adrian came in from MBX. We had, we kind of had the two demo bays that were over there that had five or six companies and it, it kind of became the, the PCC showdown there by the time Palmetto state showed up with their lead star and, uh, we had MBX and, and JP, and I was like, well, you know, we just put a timer on everybody and let them shoot it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had uh, all, all the steel that was out there. There was the, the, the four smaller USPSA um, target, the three-quarter targets of mine that I had purchased from Rangemaster Steel a couple of years ago. The rest of it was all donated action target to use as demo um, for this year for World Speed Shooting Championship and USPSA events, so I get to haul those around to around the country, but they are the PT Scouts that hold up, so they fit really nice in the back of the truck. Um, so there's been a lot of companies that have come to us with wanting to get more involved, um, and that was the same with, you know, with Tandem Cross being set up there. This was the first time that they came out to set up at this match. Um, CWA, it was the first time that Chet had came out and set up. Of course, Brian was there. Gaston came down from Georgia with, uh, they are the importer of Guga Rebus holsters, and, and Guga himself was here in the match from Brazil. So that was really cool. It's really cool to see all these guys out there um, getting vendors back to the events. Um, it's, con it's gone away somewhat the way that it used to be. I mean, Back in the, the 90s, early 2000s, you had Tent City that was out there where vendors were just lined up all over the place. But, you know, Amazon and Shooter's Connection and Speed Shooter Specialty and Big Silver Pro Shop and all these places, Brownells and, and all of them, they've kind of taken away the need to go and shop. Everyone's there with their stuff. But um, now providing the demo base has become very, very popular. And, and that kind of answers the question that I was asked. It was like, hey, there's no side matches. There's not. There's no bays for it. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, when, the, when the, the use of the demo bay is a sponsorship level, so you have to donate at a certain level to be able to use a demo bay. And um, we were fortunate enough to have the two big bays available there was actually supposed to be two more companies that were out there and we kind of lucked out that their schedule didn't work out so we had 
space for this. But yeah, we, we're we're at the we're busting at the seams with people that want to get in to show their product to the competitors that are there at the matches. And it's the same way on the USPSA side of it. Most of the big players they want to be a they want to be on the ground and with the ability for people to put hands on and shoot their product, whether it's ammo or guns or just to try their gear out. Um, they, they want that on um, the availability on the ground at the matches. So we're hoping that we can do some of those things. I, I've got a call with SIG next month on doing SIG days at the range for the high cap nationals there in Utah, where they want to bring in their, you know, trailer and set up, everything that SIG is involved with, which is, you know, their, their product line is huge when you, when you throw ammo and they have side in it. So it, it's been, uh, it's been very good. And I think that the companies um, are seeing the interest with the membership and the competitors that are there. And they're seeing that we are getting eyeballs on things as we put these matches through social media and acting and through, you know, downrange. Um, but it's not. It's just not a logo on the back of a T-shirt and a and a matchbook. It's a lot more that goes to it now. Yeah, if I get to vote, Jake, I I really really like the demo based stuff. It's a great opportunity for people um, to get their hands on the on the goodies. You know, the JP, the the orange uh, gun candy color. You know, everybody's oh yeah, that's just a pretty gun. Then you shoot it. Like, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. Did you hear what happened with, uh, with Larry? <laughs> so Larry bought it, right? Or Larry yeah. ordered one? No, he, he bought that He bought that exact gun. It had nothing to do with the Auburn orange it was painted, but, yeah, he uh, he bought it, so that, that's really cool. But, you know, the other part, and talking with, with Dustin JP, that there was another competitor that, you know, their gun went down, and Dustin's like, hey, look. You want to shoot the match? Here's a gun. Here's some bags. Run it. So yeah. So uh, so while he didn't have anything at the demo bay, um, the actual gun that he was using at the demo bay was mine. Oh, is that right? So, oh, is that right? Which, so by the way, my, weighs about fourteen pounds. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a strong guy. <laughs> Yeah, I love my new yeah, okay. light barrel. Yeah, actually, uh, um, Dustin was like, you know, you got to send this back up there. We can get a lighter barrel there for you. And I was like, yeah, you know, which is which is funny because, you know, when we talk about the match in general, um, when I when I went for Club 13 and I made, I made Master um, at Area 2 in PCCO, and I shot nowhere near that... Um, at this match, I was actually uh, a little bit off the pace, um, but I shot that match out there with Kirk Grimes' Red Star rifle. So um, I think that ten-pound difference in weight might there may be something to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, speaking of, speaking of Kirk, um, and and I've done this, and if I I have my USPSA gear, um, and I slowly started to add more steel challenge stuff to it but uh i i shot um his rimfire open pistol at the match um and i wasn't going to shoot rimfire open um i actually was only going to shoot wednesday and thursday 
just four divisions and um he offered it to me to shoot and um there was an open slot from somebody that had withdrawn from the match so uh zach and donna got me and and uh i was like yeah you know sure whatever you know shoot it. um i uh bumped up in class i went from like a 72 percent to an 82 percent after the uh <laughs> the recent upload the one today um and not only that but so i beat kurt with his gun so <laughs> <laughs> both on and off the range folks <laughs> yeah. yeah but all it all it's going to do is now cost me money because i've uh i've Expect out Kurt building me a gun. Uh, <laughs> so, Kurt does uh, a every time. He, job. Every time I shoot a challenge, it costs me money. I I went and I bought uh, earlier tonight another Ruger ten twenty two, and I have another tax all barrel on order. So, um, I'm, I'm apparently you know getting into the gear side of steel challenge. Steve, yeah. you ever had that problem? <laughs> You know, Jeff, I do not own an ugly gun. <laughs> it's, it, it, yeah, it's it, it's great. So there's some great great folks out there doing some amazing stuff outside of fit and function and all that kind of stuff. They're just elevating their game to you know customize. And I've got two first quality. I mean, first I, they're absolutely amazing stocks that Kurt Grimes did for me with flames and my logo and steel target painting on it and stuff. It's it's uh, it's really cool stuff, and it's it's just fun to fun to customize. Fun to customize. Yeah, it, I mean, I've I've always. You know, shooting USPSA, and if you open up the safe, you'll see I've got twin limited guns. They're exactly the same. I have twin forty caliber single stacks. They're exactly the same. I have twin forty fives. Shooting carry optics. And my markers. There, I always have two of everything because I didn't originally build them, and I'm sure as hell I'm not going to rebuild them at the safe table if anything happens. So I just get, I buy guns in pairs, like shoes. Um, <laughs> And, and make sure that it, all that stuff kind of works. Nothing is really flashy. It's just it's very functional. But you see a lot more really, really cool gear on the Steel Challenge side of it. The paint jobs that, that on um, the guns that Val Kortzen is putting out with um, Collins, uh Mod Shot stock on them. Oh, yeah. I mean, those, those, oh, yeah. Yeah, those are awesome looking guns. It was really cool to have one on the prize table as well. Um, and what's funny about that is uh, uh, the person who was pulling for the winner of that actually said, no, nah, he's sponsored by him, let somebody else enjoy it, and went down the line and got something else. So that was that was cool to see. Yeah, um, for sure. To give up an $1,800 prize um, so somebody else could. Unfortunately, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was up there kind of high, and it wasn't sitting there when I walked through. <laughs> I got a, I got a, um, actually, I ended up getting a, a KKN block barrel and a, and a uh, some Thailand certificate. Um, so there were, even, even where I finished, there were still some hundred $150 value prizes. I think the lowest thing we had was, you know, around 65, 70 bucks. So a little bit more than half of an entry fee, um, as you went down and, and the way the prize tables were for anybody that wasn't there is that there was a, a center fire prize table that your order, your best 
your lowest score um, in center fire was your position to walk the table. Um, there was a rim fire table and then a PCC table. So there's three tables, and if you shot in those three divisions, you had three chances to walk the prize table, which really equates to, I want to say the number was about 500 prizes that had to be put together um, to cover the amount of times people could walk there. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a challenge to get that many prizes put together, but I think we did a, a really good job. We had some really good um, sponsors come through this year. Uh, and then at CCI bring in a whole of their new 22 clean ammo. So we were able to take the six cases, you know, 30,000 to 35,000 and kind of split that up into multiple thousand rounds leaves that we could pick up. No, you, you guys did an absolutely fantastic job with the prize table for sure. All right, guys. Well, this has gone really well. Jake, we really appreciate you being on the podcast again. Uh, it's always fun talking with you and learn a little more and learn about what you do and, and what's coming up. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to end this with, sharing with our listeners? Uh, no, I just look forward to seeing um, more competitors out shooting steel challenge in USPSA. There's quite a few. I mean, I know I'm shooting the Area 5 steel challenge match. Um, I believe then I turn around and I go to Area 2 steel challenge match. It's on California for crime is putting on, which is an excellent. The whole range is great. Uh, Steve Wright puts on the Area 5. that's at the end of June. All eight, Both of those are all eight stages. They're level three matches. Um, I'd like to try down to yours. I want to see if I can fit that in. Um, I can't go to the Georgia one that's in two weeks, but I know I just saw Randy Arrowwood post that there are some open slots on Friday. So if, if anybody wants to go and pull the trigger at Steel Challenge, no matter what level of competitor you are, there are a lot of matches that are out there that have some, some of them are sold out, some of them still have availability. Go do it. You're not going to be disappointed. And you can take you know, and a a twenty two rifle or a twenty two pistol, you can get a very inexpensive red dot and you're out hitting steel, um, and having a lot of fun with it. And and I really encourage people to go and try it. I'm glad you said that because you know Zach Jones and I we we love that hashtag dots rule. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not just for old guys like us who can't see anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, any closing thoughts? No, I just really want to thank you, Jake, for your time tonight. We really, really appreciate it. I know you could be spending your time elsewhere. And congratulations on a great World Speed speed Shoe Championship. It was a, a fantastic match. Thanks again for for being out there. And everybody, if you want to order something from RangeStore.net, use discount code ST. Podcast 10. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks, guys.